back from my Norwegian adventure so it's time for For Fox Sake. It's not all doom and gloom at Leicester, we look at the season so far and also preview the forthcoming weeks and months as well. Also there's a small tie against Forest as well this Sunday. All this and much more on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and Rob Hayes, how are you? How are you doing? Long time no speak. It is. I've missed your dulcet tones, Pete. I've missed spending an hour every week chatting football with you. Uh, And here we are to chat about no football. How are you? You've been away uh, in Norway, I believe. Yes, I've been in Norway. It didn't quite work out when we had last time... (coughs) Excuse me. When we were last time on the podcast, uh, we we said we might be able to... um, to sort out, uh, you know, doing a podcast whilst I was there. It didn't really uh, kind of arise, really. It nothing really uh, came about. It wasn't really the, the sort of place and the time, etc. It just didn't work out. So anyway, we're back now. But no, really good time, fantastic time. Uh, work, by the way, everyone, not wasn't uh, wasn't a holiday. Uh, although I did manage to go down a uh, the Olympic uh, bobsleigh. Uh, run. Oh, so, I saw the video of that on your social media. It looked mental. Yeah, it was. There's as, a lot of screaming going on. Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely. It was as good as it kind of looks. Everyone who, who's seen it, they've all said, "Oh, that, that looked amazing." Was it as good as? In fact, today, um, uh, Big Dan like saw him in the Tesco car park. There you go, and uh, and he said, "Oh, mate, that video was great." I said, "Was it as good?" I said, "Yeah." I says, "But." You're shouting at the top, and then by the time you're halfway down, you're thinking, oh, you're getting faster and faster here. Yeah, your head's banging either side of that. Amazing, amazing stuff. But no, no, it was all, all very good. And then, um, yeah, so back now. Uh, the problem is, at the time, you can watch the old game here and there, you know, on laptops and various things. Of course, Leicester go and throw it away against really Spurs, and then... Pretty much the same against Brighton. So when it comes to when it comes to Leicester, watching it over there, and there were a few um, obviously Brits there who were competing in the in the World Championships and stuff, and and they were kind of like half taking the mick because you know you, I had my um my green Leicester nineteen eighty three whatever it is away shirts and they're wearing out a few times, and uh, <laughs> I quickly put that away when when it all went wrong against Spurs and that. So, um, but we are back, and uh. Yeah, it's it's gone slightly askew, hasn't it, Rob? We we can talk about the two games, but I think with this podcast, with the the break that we're on now, the um, the the winter break, it's a good time to kind of reflect on the season, reflect on uh, what's happened, and then look forward and and what we think possibly is going to happen towards the end of the season or for the rest of the season and also in the immediate future with Forest at the weekend, etc. So, a very disappointing. I was just looking at the, the league and, as you all know, ever the optimist, but I was just looking at the league going, is there a way that I could actually say, and I actually mean it, that we will possibly 
get a European place via the league. Uh, and I, I don't think that's the case now. I believe we're going to go on a, a run towards the end of the season and we'll come on to that when players come back, etc. But I think it's now gone. I think those two results... Um, put them together as well. You're not just saying that you should have got six points, but because one result then would change, obviously, the outcomes of the next. It's too simple to, to just put it together. But you are looking at a three points in the bin against Spurs, and then the way that we played, especially in the first half against Brighton, on the back of what would have been a win that we're saying against Spurs, you, I think you could easily say there's six points. So you add five points onto what we've got with the games in hand etc I'd have sat here right now Rob and gone look I reckon we're in with a chance now if we can just get through the next few games picking up the odd point here and there and then once players start to really come back we can really kick on towards the end of the season I think we can have a very successful season I think that may have just gone even though there is still plenty of football to play but sitting here right now, I, I think it's gone. What about you? Where do you where do you sit after those two games, not just on the basis of what's happened, but also then mainly looking forward and what do you think effect that's going to have on the on the season? Well, what we're going to need to see is a completely different Leicester City for the remaining the remainder of the season. And that needs to be a consistent Leicester City. I know everybody's striving for consistency and that's ultimately uh, what a 38-game Premier League season shows you. You end up finishing um, your position. Finishing position is a reflection of how uh, how consistent you've been throughout the season. Leicester City. That I'm sure I read a stat before the Brighton game or maybe before the Spurs game that Leicester have not recorded the same result, either win, lose, or draw in the Premier League. It might have even been this entire season. I haven't really got time to check it right now because I'm I'm talking off the top of my head, but. Even if it wasn't for the entire season, it was for a long time. So you would literally, we sit here on this podcast and sometimes we have a good 15-minute chat about what uh, predictions we can make for the upcoming games. You haven't got a clue. I guess the only prediction you can make is Leicester probably aren't going to get the same result as they did in the previous game. So it's, I think that's been the most frustrating thing. Yes, you could delve into into the hows and the whys that, that, that it happened against Spurs and then you can call into question some tactical decisions made against Brighton, but ultimately Leicester can't string a run of results together and have not been able to all season. And have we got any evidence at the moment to suggest that that's going to change after the winter break uh, and, and that Leicester are going to go on the run necessary to even be thinking about a top six position? I can't see any evidence for that at the moment. I think what we need to to make sure we do is consolidate a top half finish going on a run would undoubtedly be great but then maybe we need to look at prioritizing other areas particularly you know Brendan Rodgers has a remit of either pushing for or getting European football every season at Leicester City now he's got to weigh up his options and think what is the most likely route into Europe between now and the end of the season and is it the league don't know probably not based on the, the like you say those those points that uh, disappeared against Spurs and Brighton it's it's very difficult really because it, it was just so disappointing the way it happened and obviously dramatic especially against Spurs 
incredible, really. Many people laying the blame at Yuri uh, Tielemans, which was a, 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 a stupid decision, really, to try that pass. But then again, he's trying to go and he's trying to win the game, and he's trying to to make that kind of miracle pass through. And because it was there was only what's mere seconds to go, but it's just incredible how it happened. And um, and then against Brighton, which to be perfectly honest, I think many people will probably in the same boat as me going, this this goal's coming, this goal is coming. And people saying about the, the the lack of maybe ambition by going fairly defensive in the second half when only a one goal, when getting a second goal in that game would then have pretty much sealed the game. You would have hoped, obviously, depending with what happened a few days prior, you never know. But um, yeah, overall though, I, I, I agree. I, I think, and I think this will be the case at the club as well, it's too simple, really, to to really ignore. You've got a chance in the FA Cup against Forest to get into the fifth round, defending the trophy you won in May. You've got a chance now in the Europa um, Conference League against a Randers side who, I mean, God knows, but we're going to obviously be overwhelming favourites to win that time, and you go through, etc., etc. And I think it's Roma who are maybe the the other side that you would look at from a neutral point of view and go Leicester and them, they're, they're the two teams. So there's options there. You'd have to play your strongest sides. You'd have to. Uh, Randers, slightly awkward though, because again, if we are the overwhelming favourites, then you would maybe change things because you've still got to rotate the side. And not saying drop the Premier League at all, but I, I, I agree. If you're finishing 12th in the Premier League or finishing 8th, it's really no kind of difference, to be honest, apart from a bit of prize money. And I don't think there's any kind of shame in that as well. Do you know what I mean? You, if you were finishing eighth and you go, well, well you know, you finished fifth the last two seasons and you finished eighth, that's not so bad. But then if you go, well, finish fifth in a couple of seasons and now down to 12th, well, that could be the difference between eighth and 12th could be three points or two points. I think from a Leicester point of view, and from a fan's point of view, and again, this is just our point of view, um, I I would be absolutely fine with that. You've got to look at the bigger picture. And it's quite easy, I think, for fans and for, for us, actually, to be perfectly honest, more, more so us as a podcast host, to say, well, actually, everything's going fine at the club. You look at the training ground, you look at the redevelopment of the ground, the... the the, the hierarchy it's all very safe it's all really well managed the manager's good etc and it's all you look at other clubs and you know do you want to be the, that's a it's a very easy thing to say because it's true but what you don't want to and i find myself maybe going slightly this way you don't want to use that as a cover for errors in the side or for poor displays or for mismanagement of games you don't want to cover criticism that should be actually labelled at players, manager, managers, etc. Just because everything is, you know, very good at the football club. Um, and I think these games are important because there has to be criticism labelled at manager, players and attitude, really, in terms of losing those those points. Um and you can't just cover it up by saying, well, you know, you know, in the long run, everything's kind of going well. I think Leicester are playing all right. I think they are fine. I think they are playing okay. You, 
behind against Spurs late on with those two crazy goals. But you were winning the game with, again, a very depleted side. I know it was a little bit of a hang-on to what we've got and they had plenty of chances and they dominated the game, really, to be perfectly honest. But end of the day, the scoreline was what it was. And then you go and play against Brighton, a very good side, who we saw in the second half, the way that they play. But in the first half, it was quite one-sided, I thought. I thought Leicester were the more dangerous side by a long way. They might have had slightly more possession, but I thought I thought Leicester in the first half were very good against Brighton. It was a good, especially after what happened against Spurs. But then again, they conceded the late goal. So overall, the actual football we're playing, I think, is good. I think we're all right. And it will get better with the players coming through. But I don't think we can not criticise as well. And I think what Brendan did, especially in the second half against Brighton, needs to be addressed because you cannot be that defensive. You cannot be that worried about an opposition. You're you're winning the game. You're playing well. You know, and everyone in that ground would have known, that if Leicester scored a second goal, that's probably it. Game over. But we didn't decide to go for that goal. We decided to go, right, hang on. We're going to react to whatever they do by going more and more defensive. I would have loved us to react, and I like us, the fact that we do react to what opposition do. It was only a few games back prior where substitutions being made by Brendan Rodgers and changes tactically worked absolutely fine. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to work every single time. But I thought this was just too negative, where all of a sudden changes are made by Brighton in terms of formation, in terms of personnel especially, uh, in this case. And we decided to react by just being defensive every single time, rather than maybe reacting in the form of, hang on, we can now push someone further forward or change something around to be slightly more attacking and, and, and try and take advantage of them having to play a bit more expansive because they're behind in the game. That wasn't the case. Now, I know, obviously, players, certain players missing, etc., etc., and you've got to work with what you've got. But I, I think that the, the criticism levelled at, at, uh, at the manager was, was just absolutely fine. Um, it wasn't over the top, but I think it was deserved. I'd completely agree. And, and as I was watching the second half unfold, I thought there is absolutely no chance we can play like this for the rest of the game and and get three points out of this game. Um, I'm I'm fine with responding in certain ways to changes that the opponents have made. I'm I'm fine with going to. Uh, back three or a back five, whatever you want to call it, if you, if you want to shore things up again. Um, I'm fine with all of those things. What, what I wasn't fine with was how deep Leicester insisted on sitting, regardless of where on the field of play the ball was, on how little intent there was to press the ball and on the fact that Leicester could not get out of their own half for pretty much most of the second half and that that defensive change came so early. I get it let's say 80, 85 minutes, you're under the cosh a bit, you want to preserve your 1-0 lead, then you pull somebody back and and you camp on the edge of your own box and you battle it out for the last 5-10 minutes. Fine, I understand that. But Leicester did that for most of the second half and every time they got the ball, there was nowhere to pass to because, like you said, Pete, no, there was no kind of outlet. There was no kind of thinking right if if they're pushing an extra man forward we we need some 
legs. We need at least a plan B. We need at least somebody that's going to put some kind of pressure on a ball that we put in the channel and then to get the rest of the players up the pitch a bit. I'm not saying push as high as you possibly can, but you've still got to press the ball and you can't just sit on the edge of your box because you're inviting the pressure into the final third. If you meet the 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 opponent a bit higher up and you win the ball back a bit higher up, which is what Leicester City have been brilliant at for the majority of the period of time that Brendan Rodgers has been in charge, then you instantly you relieve the pressure. But I think Leicester were just far too deep, um, far too passive, and they got what they deserved, really. I don't mind who bring who comes on, who goes where, who changes what what position, what formation, but there still has to be a, a, a desire to win the ball back and do something with it when you get it. You can't just do it like a training exercise where everybody drops and your only job is to defend. You've still got to go out and contribute something else to that football match, and and I think it was more the mentality than anything else, and it and it was probably born a lot out of them absolutely pooing themselves that they were going to do a Spurs again a few days on. That that was ultimately probably where it came from. And I can understand that to a certain degree. But at some point, somebody's got to be a bit braver and a bit more positive than that. Yeah, you look at the three subs, you look at Luckman coming off, look at Barnes coming off, and look at Daka coming off. The front three, and who comes on? I know Perez is one of them, but uh, Bukari Samare and Mark Albrighton. It tells the story, doesn't it? It really does tell the story of what the substitutions were and how defensive they were in their nature and who came off, especially. And yeah, um, and if you're sorry, if you're Brighton and you're attacking, you're chasing the game, and Leicester take off all three of their quick players, and the only player you've got to bother about then is Iosi Perez up front. You're laughing. You're thinking we can commit as many men forward as we like here because he's not going to run in behind us. He's not going to beat someone one-on-one. He's not going to physically bully us. The the, the Brighton defence must have been very, very pleased to see all of those players go off and were ultimately very comfortable, weren't they? And also, in in the nature of the game as well, and, and when we're looking at the league, you're looking at Liverpool away in the league, then you look at West Ham at home, then you're away to Wolves. So you're playing against three teams all pushing for Europe or way inside European places. And then you're at home against Leeds, but you've got the two games against Randers either side of that, Arsenal following on, and then not long until Man United, etc. So it's a tough run of games coming up now. So to just pick the one point up from those, it is really disappointing to to try and cling on because they, they know exactly who they've got coming up in, in games. I agree with you that it would have been still a bit of a, a hangover from the from the game against Tottenham, whether we managed to maybe even draw the game against Spurs. But if we won that game 2-1, would and the game was going against Brighton how it did, whether the same decisions would have been made? Probably not. I, I would say probably not. But it's been and gone now. It's, it's, it's just the nature of this season, which has been... And I've, I'm, I'm definitely going to call it the lost season from that. Unless something happens in the Cups... It's it it really is that lost season because of and the injuries. You don't you never want to just turn around and go oh we've got so many injuries and that's it for the season don't worry about it um, if we lose this game it, you you can't do that because you're still putting eleven players out on the field <laughs> apart from that one game where we couldn't but um, it's it's not an excuse um, it's an, an actual real thing. And we all know the players who haven't been playing, etc., etc., and, and what the, the side would look like without them. 
But I just think when you look at the league table and you look at the sides who are above Leicester or in and around Leicester, uh, Aston Villa, the amount of money they've spent. I know they brought in hundred million from Jack Grealish, but to reinvest all of that and then to change their manager and then to then sign player after player, which they have done in the last what ten days or so up until transfer deadline day. Um, you've got Brighton, who are Brighton. We know about them, good solid club, etc. But they are ahead of Leicester in the table. Uh, Wolves, uh, you've got Tottenham as well. Uh, certainly I'd say Wolves have been very good this season I think they're quite lucky actually to be in 8th place a few more goals I mean they've only scored 19 goals out of 21 games a few more goals they would have been pretty much in the top 4 I'd say and they and they might who knows but um, they've improved Tottenham they've certainly improved with the manager that they've got now uh, West Ham carrying on the, the the good work there and the rest of the big clubs are obviously going to be spending money left, right, and centre, and, and and going nicely. It's uh, and then you look at Leicester, and you look at them and go, well, have we been left behind? What? Why are we? Why are we behind these clubs now? When we were way ahead of the the Brightons and the Wolves, and and we're we're now just only what a couple of points in front of, or on the same points in fact as as Aston Villa. Surely we haven't dropped down that much, but. I, I don't look at that and go, we are now way behind it. Because again, you go back to the injuries. And I just think if you can put out the best Leicester City eleven, maybe minus a player, because no club is entitled to put out their best eleven every single week, obviously. But maybe minus one player who's out through injury or whatever. I have absolutely zero doubt. And also, should I say, the manager as well, remaining in place. I've got absolutely no doubt that we would have been up with the West Ham's in the top five, if not probably pushing fourth. Man United, 38 points. Uh, Chelsea in third, 47 points. So 38 points really is what you're looking at. We're on 26. So we are 12 points off fourth place with the season that we've had. I just think you add a few few of those players. You add your Fafana into that team and maybe Evans. Maybe even just those two, to be perfectly honest. I, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't have been up with Man United and West Ham. Absolutely whatsoever. So, personally, I've got no problem with where we are in the league. And with those games coming up, I can see us maybe dropping down to 12th or even 13th. But, again, I personally don't have a problem because of the injuries that we've had. What about you, Rob? Where do you, where do you sit with Leicester being where they are and also behind who they're behind? Well, I think if you look at it as an overall and you look at it um, sensibly, then I would agree with your point of view. And, and I'm absolutely fine with where Leicester are. You can't expect in a in a league this competitive where the margins are so fine. You can't expect just because you finished fifth last season to finish fifth this season. There's so many other factors that have to be taken into consideration. Um, but I think... If you look at it more of a almost a game by game basis and you look at a mistake here or an injury there that's cost a game or, you know, the, the last two games, you, you, you've surrendered three points against Spurs. You've, you've lost two points essentially from a winning position against Brighton. You add those five points onto Leicester's tally in the in the league table 
and all of a sudden things look a little bit more um, respectable, really, because you'd be then on um, on 31 points with um, at least one game in hand on everybody above you and, and two, in some cases, um, three, if you're looking at kind of West Ham, who are really the the Leicester City of this season, aren't they, in terms of what we've managed to achieve in, in the last two campaigns uh, and it being... Uh, less so of a surprise last season, but the season before, I think, I think it would be fair to say that fans of other clubs would have been surprised to see Leicester that high up. And we were uh, pleasantly surprised in, in many ways. So for us to be sitting mid-table is absolutely fine. And if so, so short term, not great. When you look at how many points have been dropped or how many goals conceded by set pieces have caused Leicester to not earn anywhere near as, more, as many points as they perhaps should have done. You look at those two games that we've discussed at the beginning of this podcast. If you come out and look at a midterm view of this season as a whole and you just take into account all of the things that have uh, contributed to, to Leicester being in that position, it's fine, it's acceptable. And then if you take a step further back and you look at um, recent history, if not the sort of the, the period of time that you and I have been following the club, you think actually there are a lot of times in that in that uh, sort of what 25 30 year period where you would have given a limb for a comfortable mid-table finish in the premier league uh, and you would have been absolutely delighted with that am i saying i'm going to be delighted if leicester finished what somewhere between 8th and 12th i won't be delighted but i'll be i'll be comfortable with that uh, i wouldn't then be looking in the summer for wholesale changes managerially players wise what i would be looking for is some early business key uh, players into key positions that will improve the starting 11 not necessarily just squad players but players that will really add genuine quality and you'd be looking to almost like you say park this season chalk it off to experience get the health and the strength back into those players who've been missing for a while they'll feel like new signings much of as cliche as it sounds add in a bit more quality and go again next season and see what little old Leicester can achieve. I do think that that, that sort of tagline of, of Leicester being a smaller club has been... We, we kind of... We took it away a, a little while ago, didn't we, from our point of view, but from an outsider's point of view, they're, they're seeing Leicester now as, with, with back-to-back fifth-place finishes in the Premier League with the... the, the um, training ground, the stadium expansion coming, they're looking all of a sudden at Leicester being a bigger club and I think that's possibly one potential reason why uh, a, a few different transfers didn't necessarily come off loan deals, whatever you know, previously and more so I guess in the championship Leicester were able to to tap into well established top four, top six Premier League clubs and borrow one of their better fringe players. Now, there's there's two sort of arms to that, really, because would Leicester really want one of those players at the moment, and would that add the genuine quality to the team? No, it wouldn't. But, you know, we were in a bit of a dire situation a couple of weeks ago in terms of no centre-backs at the club, and we would probably have taken quite a a number of uh, fringe players from those bigger clubs for a, a temporary spell at the club. But you're also looking at those big clubs like Liverpool, Manchester United, whatever, think seeing Leicester as a as a as a threat, not necessarily for direct 
position in this Premier League season, but generally overall, Manchester United might still consider Leicester to be a threat to their position. We're not a million miles away. So it wasn't that that kind of area of the market was closed off. And then unless you're doing an Aston Villa and you're pinging money around left, right and centre, which they've clearly raised funds from selling Grealish, of course they have. Um, and when you look at Brendan Rodgers' uh, reputation, I wouldn't say it's it's going hugely downhill at Leicester City, but, you know, Everton were able to sign players like Van der Beek and Deli Alley. I'm not saying that they would have been good fits for Leicester City or not. That's not my point here. My point is Lampard's the manager. Those two are central midfielders. They've gone, oh, I'll play under him. Gerrard at Liverpool straight away uses a a, a connection to bring in Coutinho. Uh, you know, Luca Dina said, oh, I want to play under this manager. Has Brendan Rodgers got that kind of pull, um, especially with Leicester sort of languishing in mid-table? Not in this window. Uh, and then Leicester don't seem to have the financial pull either. So the fact that it was such a quiet window, it perhaps really shouldn't be that much of a surprise. And we're going to do a Pete Selby. We're going to basically write off the season, make do till the end of the campaign and see what takes stock in the summer, I think. I think so. I've got no no problem with, with those players. There's, there's one player in particular we'll come on to in a minute, but uh, those players, uh, Ali would never never have joined Leicester. Again, look at his wages. No idea what he's going to be paid there, but he's going to be on a lot of money. But also Van der Beek as well. Maybe locality, etc. Nice and easy just to nip over to Merseyside and, and, and play. But I think also the managers who you mentioned, Lampard, Gerrard, I think they're going to have the pull compared to most managers, really, just because of their, their age and their um, recent football career, essentially. I don't think we've missed out on those players at all. I, I don't think Rogers. I think Rogers and Leicester is a very attractive place to come and play football. But I think we're, we're dealing with a completely different transfer market. I know we brought in Vestergaard and Bertrand for the experience and the added squad depth, which has obviously gone pretty disastrously wrong, you'd probably say. But away from that, they're not the kind of players that we're going to buy because we're going to buy younger players like Samari and Dakar in, in the summer. And also with the amount of money we spent on those two players because we'd never sold anyone. That's the big thing that, that most people need to remember, that we'd never sold anyone in the summer. So all that money that we paid on for those two, what was it, 40 million for the two, say, was all of our probable transfer budget. This summer, I'd imagine there'll be plenty of comings and goings at Leicester. I think it's going to be quite busy. And the the one player in particular, everyone says, Yuri Tillemans is more than likely to go. I think that's the case. Now, would that money be then pumped straight back into the side? You'd imagine so. I'd imagine the conversation now is every single bit of money that Yuri is going to go for is going to then be used as your transfer budget. Uh, there might be a little bit more on top, but we'll we'll see. Um, as a football club, I'd imagine they'll be looking at that going, how much would Yuri go for? You're looking at maybe 55, 60 million at a push, something like that with the contract left, etc. Um, and I think the football club would look and go, look, you can use all of that, and then and then that would be it, unless something real, rather special comes up. Um, the, the one player that we've, we've never been linked with, or no, I don't know where we have been linked with, but 
I'm surprised we've never gone for, and especially in the loan market, is is Jesse Lingard. Because you look at the way that we play, and you look at Lingard and go, well, he'd fit in ideal at Leicester. And I know he's at the wrong age after what I've just been saying, but I'm talking loan here with maybe a, a view of moving. How he didn't join West Ham, I have no idea. Um, after an I mean, amazing spell there. If you remember when he joined West Ham this time last year and the second half of the season, he was arguably the best player in the league for that second half of the season. And... Um, and he's got obviously, obviously really wanted to go back to Man U and try and prove himself. He's obviously gone horribly wrong there. And I, I just I just don't understand why we maybe, or maybe we have behind the scenes, but I'd have thought he would have slotted in fantastically on the right with Barnes the other side and then um, obviously the, the centre forward or maybe chopping and changing between the left and right. I thought, you know, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, no surprise we haven't done anything. A lot of the young players have gone out on loan. By the way, the, the under-18s, Getting through to the quarterfinals of the um, Youth Cup. 5-1 win away at uh, Bournemouth. The one thing with that training ground, it's we're picking up one or two players from other clubs. And the youths, I know you can go on runs, etc. And we've had good youth set up before. But that's where I think you, you, you see more of an impact pretty quickly. With the facilities there, with picking up players. And there was the turnover of players. You remember this time last year... There was news from the football club. In fact, Roger said himself that they're looking to move on plenty of the under-18s, under-23 side. They want to give it a real rejig and, and shuffle plenty out and bring in some players. And, and, and they've been doing that. And it's starting to pay. Um, Alves with a fantastic goal. That chop in from the right-hand side. The uh, I don't know who you'd link that to. Maybe a Ronaldo chop. First player really comes to mind. But... Looks a hell of a player, so yeah, that's that's progressing very nicely. But I I can't see any reason why, in the summer, we will be not bringing in three or four, and you'll be looking at kind of first team players slash first kind of fourteen or fifteen, a replacement obviously for Tielemans, and then the likelihood of them being of a similar ilk to the likes of Daka and Samare with a view to then obviously in a few years' time, if they decide to move, etc., and their successes, you're going to make a hell of a profit on them. Um, that being said, if someone like a Lingard, for example, decides to leave Manchester United at the end of the season, would Leicester then be interested? I can't see any reason why not. You know, If that player then suddenly becomes available, I can't see any reason why, A, we wouldn't go for them, and also they wouldn't choose Leicester over an Everton or over an Aston Villa. I think any footballer would be, especially of of, the, of their age, if Gerard comes knocking, you're gonna go and want to play, aren't you? Because there's there's something there. The success he's had in Scotland, the relative success early on at, at Aston Villa, you're gonna want to be part of that. And then the whole Lampard and Everton thing, whether that's gonna be any success or not, no idea. Because they're such a a funny club. But they're going to spend a lot of money. You know, you're going to get your wages. Deli Ali. If you told me Deli Ali's going to go to Everton at the start of this season, you said, "Oh, Ali's going to end up." I'll have questioned that and gone. I don't think he'd really want to go and play on Merseyside unless he's going to play for Liverpool. I don't think Everton. It just doesn't seem a good match. Whether they would be able to afford him or not. So, but obviously to bring in Frank and probably part of his actual signing on for Everton was probably you're going to get Deli Ali. I want Deli Ali straight away. Pay him whatever he wants. I think that's probably how it went down. But back to Leicester, 
you're just looking at their first team and who they're missing at the moment. So you bring in Castagna, you bring in Evans, you bring in Fafana, um, you obviously bring in, say, Ricardo Pereira as well, put Vardy up top and Didi back from AFCOM. You've got a very, very good side. You're going to have to replace Yuri Tillemans. Now, whether people think Jewsbury Hall can play in that position or not, but you'll probably more than likely bring in another midfielder, creative midfielder. That team, for me, is excellent. And then you throw in the players who are immediately behind those. So you've got Akleti and Asho. Um, you've got the players who are currently in the first team at the moment, the likes of Adaka instead of Vardy, Soyuncu at the back, alongside, say, and Johnny Evans, so a Soyuncu from a few years ago. Amati as well, who's been fantastic. James Justin as well, who I've not mentioned. Uh, James Madison, obviously. These players, Barnes, that is one hell of a really good first 15 players. Absolutely tremendous. The strongest 15 players that we've ever had at the club. So I've got absolutely no problem looking at the big picture. Exactly what I said earlier. Don't always look at that big picture and say, oh, you know, everything's going fine and use that as an excuse not to criticise. Done the criticism about the team, about how it went down against the pre in the previous two games and now the expectations and what we've got to kind of live with. I've got absolutely no problem with this side. It is the best team and the best first 15, 16 players that we've ever had. And I think they'll spend because I think Yuri will go and I think they'll bring in some good money. So by the start of next season, if everyone's back, fantastic. Problem is, though, we've got a lot of football to play until then. And it could go one way or the other. It could go south very quickly. And if that's the case, then all those plans, etc. might get thrown out the window because there might be players who want to leave. But also, players might not want to then join if you're languishing down in 16th place. And also then the manager will come in for a lot of uh, pressure as well. Yeah, so if you look at it overall, what we're saying is, yes, I can understand the disappointment of not bringing anybody in during the January transfer window. Um, but we can understand all of the reasons why. And ultimately, for, for, for every reason, we need to have a good... Uh, final half of the season so that Rogers keeps his job so that Leicester remain an attractive club to come to uh, so that we can demand the transfer fee that is going to recompensate Leicester City for Yuri Tielemans uh, and therefore we have enough money to spend on at least one replacement for him and additional funds maybe to bring in another player or so so it's it's, obviously, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen in the next couple of months, but we're in a reasonable position at the minute, and, and I think everybody just needs to make sure that um, everybody, that meaning the sort of players and the managerial staff, that they don't see the season kind of tailing off and that they understand that actually there is a lot to play for. Obviously, yes, it's, it's quite easy to say that with the number of competitions that we're still uh, involved in, but I mean, in terms of the overall feeling around the club from within and the overall feeling uh, of other people from the outside looking in at the club, thinking, oh, actually, no, you know what? They finished the season really strongly. Uh, and they can probably then look back and say, OK, yes, Leicester finished, say, ninth uh, compared to fifth the previous seasons, but they did have those injury problems. Whereas if Leicester do kind of slip down and just sort of 
meander along to 13th, 14th place finish, are they going to look at it at the end of the season and say, oh yeah, it was just because of those injuries they had? Probably not. They're going to start asking other questions. They're going to say, um, has Brendan Rodgers' time coming to an end? Is he struggling to motivate the players? Um, like you say then, is, is T- Tielemans the only one then that's kind of thinking, oh, I need to jump ship here because I can't see Leicester getting back up to competing for a European place next season. So there's a huge amount still to play for between now and the end of the season for for many, many reasons. And uh, what better place to start after the winter break than a um, short trip across the East Midlands to to play Forest for the first time in a little while. I was thinking earlier, Pete, about the last time I went to watch Forest, um, away to Forest, uh, to watch Leicester, that is. And, you know, you and I have, have done the odd um, game of commentary here and there to to cover. We've we've uh, forced ourselves through 90 minutes of football at the city ground before. But the last time I went to watch Leicester there was um, third round of the FA Cup, uh, the beginning of 2012, and it was a really bad game. It finished nil-nil, and Leicester took... It must have been four or 5,000 fans at least... Um, probably about a third of the entire attendance, if if not more. So the atmosphere was fantastic building up to the game and it laboured to a nil-nil draw. Eventually, Leicester did go on and win the replay, I think 4-0 or something like that. But I was looking at the, um, you know, thinking about the squad that you were just talking about there and this being the best uh, Leicester squad that, that we've ever had when everybody's fit. I was looking at the starting lineup for that nil-nil draw against uh, against Forest. Uh, Schmeichel was in goal. The the back four was Lee Peltier at right back, Matt Mills and Alexander Tunchev at centre back, Paul Koncheski at left back, uh, and then a kind of like a midfield five of uh, Paul Gallagher, Yuki Abbey, Neil Dans, Andy King, and Jeff Schlupp. Uh, and the striker was David Nugent. And the subs that came on were Beckford, Dyer, and Wellens. And you know what? I thought back to that. That's what, um, well, it's about 10 years ago, isn't it? Just over 10 years. And a lot's changed in a decade. And here we go in the fourth round of the FA Cup against Forest. I think our lineup will look slightly stronger than that. And I strongly hope it's not going to finish nil nil. I was at that game. I was there. It was a. Um, we didn't know each other then, did we? Uh, no. Um, I, I, the one thing you, you mentioned about the. Um, about the crowd, the crowd, there was more Leicester fans there than, than that because we had the entire away end. But yeah, also, I knew, it, I knew it was a lot. But we had the in the Brian Clough stands, uh, so opposite the camera, as you would say, at, uh, at the city ground, we had them fans up to the halfway line because I was virtually on the halfway line. And also, it's one of the, the things that well, I, I use this to wind up... Uh, my mates who support Forest is that the last time we played them was say that game in the cup um, at the city ground, obviously the replay then at the King power, but there was more away fans in the city ground than there were home fans. And that's actually true by about a thousand or just under a thousand. It was a very small, I don't know why there was no forest fans there. I've no idea why, but I think overall there was about 11,000 in the ground and there was technically more away fans than home fans. That's actually a true stat, and um, and none of them believe that as well. And I'm like, well, no, it's it's absolutely true. 
Um, well, I think I was second guessing that in my head because I, I do, you know, obviously we look at things in this podcast through uh, blue tinted spectacles, and I, I do, I do remember hearing that and and kind of looking around, going, flipping out. There's a lot of us here, but I, I didn't believe it as it came back into my mind when I was just talking about the game then. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily go as as full in as that because I didn't want any. Um, Forest fans whinging at me saying, "Oh no, that wasn't the case." But if you're telling me it's absolutely 100% true, then I I fully subscribe to it because it, it was it was like we'd taken over, wouldn't it? And I remember the the difficulty getting back to the train station afterwards because they kept us in the ground for ages and then funnel you all down one street. It's it seemed in my mind, obviously it's a decade ago, but to to take hours from the full time whistle to get back on on the train and then obviously you had the the added uh, issue of there being far more Leicester fans than they were anticipating or or that they've ever had there before, all trying to get on a train back in the same direction. And, you know, East Midlands Railway not necessarily thinking of putting more than three carriages on. <laughs> I, I remember roughly about the same time, there was a 2-2 draw, and um, maybe a few years prior to that probably, and uh, it was a, like a 96th-minute equaliser for Forrest. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't very good either, but... Uh, it's a it's a great draw, and the thing is, we're Forest fans. You, you're gonna get, and it's again that kind of easy added. You know, whatever you say, they're gonna say this, that, and the other. But the whole thing of um, they don't care about us. This is your big day out, and all that. Well, it'd be funny, but how can it be a big day out if you're the holders of the trophy? The big day out was in May, and we're looking at being there again. So it's not the big day out. They don't care about Leicester, apparently. Well. I think they will because they've sold out, and of course, if they win, that's all they'll say, and that that that's all you know. It's going to be all um, forests, forests that. But then, if Leicester win, convincingly, it's like oh, we don't really care. Yeah, it's just your typical kind of um, back and forth. The one thing with Forest, though, there's no doubt about it. They the, they are doing well. <laughs> they really are. Steve Cooper's got them playing. Um, I know they've they've been on the verge of playoffs and uh, maybe even the playoff one say, but. I, I think this time it's something different than than what they've had before. And when I mean what they've had before, I'm talking the last 20 years. It's been an awful long time since they've been close, really, to getting promoted. It's um, it's funny because all the troubles and that Derby have off the pitch, you, you look at the last few years and, well, they've been very close to getting promoted, even back to that Bobby Zamora goal at in the playoff final, but then they've been in the semi-finals of the playoffs a few times, uh, most recently under Frank Lampard, as we were talking earlier. It's And so why they would, you know, lambast Derby, I don't understand that. They've been down into League One before. So if Derby do go down, I can't see any what any kind of reason for a, for a Forest fan to kind of banter a Derby fan saying, ha, you're in League One. Well, not being funny, Forest fans, but there's two generations worth of Forest fans who have hardly seen them play Premier League football or could really remember them playing Premier League football. So if we're looking at this game, though, between, let me instead of just calling them two, it's it's going to be difficult. Good team in the Championship, going well. Full house at City Ground, what, four o'clock-ish, half four kick-off on Sunday. So it's going to be a great atmosphere against a depleted Leicester side, but a Leicester side that should have maybe an DDN Kelechi Inacho back, hopefully uh, being able to start, just like Daniel Armati did, coming back straight into the team. Um, overall, we should win. <laughs> it's just the way it is. You know, we've got a, a good side. But 
it's got all the hallmarks of a of a cup set, hasn't it? It really has. It's look, looking at Forest, and I've seen them a few times. I don't think they're anything special. I think they're obviously they've got the wind seriously in their sails. The crowd obviously is a big help because in that league at the moment, you've got a few sides who have got issues where the supporters aren't very happy even if the club is kind of middle of the table slightly lower down it's not quite the boisterous atmosphere in every single ground that you would maybe have in the Premier League where naturally every club is in the Premier League so you've you've at least had recent success but bar one or two clubs everyone is still really behind their sides and then those clubs who aren't at the time They've got their own issues. You'd say someone like Everton, for example. Now it's going to be different because they've got a new manager. In the Championship, you look at a few teams. Birmingham, not a great atmosphere. All slightly wrong behind the scenes as well. And the ground sections cordoned off. You look at like Reading as well. You look at Hull. It's not like it's the Championship of a few years back. I I think it's a poor league. So to be able to go from the bottom to just outside the playoffs, which Forest have done, I don't think it's really that hard to do. And also, you then look at Forest and you look at the ground and you look at the, the supporters. They've been selling out most games and they've been really behind their side. Partly because, again, absolutely starved of success and it's people in there who are 40 or in their late 30s who maybe didn't follow Forest as, as close as they do now when they're in the Premier League. Just slightly less than that. People wouldn't remember them being in the Premier League. So this is the best ever team that they've ever witnessed. So there's going to be a big swell of support and um, a big wave of momentum throughout the club, which I think has carried them to the edge of the playoffs. Do they have the quality to then turn that into a playoff place and possibly getting promoted? I somewhat doubt it. But in the one-off game against Leicester... I think Leicester, it's very easy to say, but you've just got to keep them quiet. Keep them quiet. First 20 minutes, they're going to be flying that Mull of Kintyre song, which is terrible, really. But they all sing it. That's the main thing. If, you're, if you've got a terrible song, but every single person in the ground singing it at the same time, it's going to make it slightly special, even if it is a bit weird. I've always thought Delilah at Stoke is a very odd song at a football game. And even though every single Stoke supporter sings it and it's really loud, it's still, I don't think it sounds right. It is weird. And I think this Mull of Kintyre malarkey, that's weird to my eyes. I know obviously Forest fans will love it, but keep them quiet and then let the football do the talking. Let Dougeby Hall be running around in front of a lot of supporters who probably know him. Um, let Dakar tear their defenders into pieces and have them worried. Have Yuri Tillemans pulling the strings in midfield. But all this, you'd imagine, will take place after that kind of storm of the first 15, 20 minutes or so. Keep it tight and then let the football do the talking. Get the goal, be confident and put the tie to to rest, you know, either before half-time or early in the second half. I can't see any reason why Leicester can't win. I'm gonna go for a Leicester win. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go two one, but I'm gonna go for a two one when Leicester have been two nil up and maybe a late kind of uh, consolation goal or 
to make it a nervy final few minutes. But I'm going to go two one Leicester. Late goal from a set piece, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Big Keen, Big Keenan Davis is going to bundle something in from somewhere, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. It's a game where ultimately Leicester's quality should should bring them through, and I don't think anybody would dispute the fact that you look at the two, whatever lineup Leicester choose, really. You look at the two lineups. Leicester City should have enough quality to beat Nottingham Forest in an FA Cup fourth round tie. Yes, they should, on paper. Um, the atmosphere, regardless of what Forest think of Leicester and what Forest fans try and ignore the fact that we exist, they will still thoroughly enjoy being there and playing against Leicester in the FA Cup fourth round. No doubt about it. The Leicester fans will obviously make their voices heard and, and contribute plenty to the atmosphere as well. So the Leicester players have got to make sure that they match those levels of intensity that they are going to be faced with in the early stages of the game, 100%. And this is the kind of game where Leicester can't have a period of time where they're not at it because Forrester want this. Forrester want another scalp. They've already knocked out Arsenal in the third round. They are, apart from a a, a, a blip, really, you'd say, against Cardiff, Um Recently, they are on a run of very good results. They're very much in the playoff mix, regardless of whether you think they'll be there at the end of the season or not. They're they're in there at the moment. So there's a lot of feel-good around it. Uh, it's on the BBC. You know, there's there's so many factors that are going to make this, hopefully, um, a, a, an entertaining game. Uh, and Leicester just need to be ready for that and, and need to be really... I'd say, yes, we've called into the question individual mistakes or, or the man, manager's tactics or the team mentality in the last couple of games, but Leicester just need to do a professional job, really. They need to they need to be switched on at all times. They will have the quality to score more goals than, than Forrest, provided that there is no period of sleeping, there is nobody who switches off for 10 minutes, has a couple of errors, there's no kind of losing your man inside the penalty area for a set piece and you just do your job Leicester doing their job against Forest doing their job Leicester come out on top, no question in my mind at all Um, uh, I'm going to be the eternal optimist and I'm going to say Leicester to keep hold of a 2-0 lead uh, until the final whistle and go 2-0 Leicester Good lad, yeah, 2-0, that'll do. I mean, I just don't think they're very special. Again, going back to the league that they're playing in, I think you can look at the two sides, actually, and, and equate their current positions and their current fortunes to actually what's going on around them. We mentioned about Leicester and the upturn in, in your Villas and your Brightons and your Wolves, etc. And, and the standard of the Premier League is very good this year, at least in that top, say, 15, I think. And then you look at Forest's league and the fact that it's, I think, really poor. Look at the top teams at the top, your Fulhams and your and your Bournemouths, etc. They are just way clearer than anyone else, way clear. And then it's much of a muchness. It is a poor league. So I think that equates to how Forest are actually very high in their league. Just looking at the, the team that they put out against Cardiff, which they lost... You can see the the danger. Grabman's always going to be a danger. He's always he's going to be in the penalty area, sniffing out a goal. Um, Johnson, we know, has been linked with a lot of clubs, Brentford especially, and they've done quite well to hold on to him. And obviously then they've got Spence as well on that side on loan. So their right is very attacking and where a lot of their play comes down. But you look at him in midfield, Colback and Yates, 
Cook and McKenna at the back. Now, I think McKenna is a good centre-half at that level, and Cook, we know, has got all the experience in the world. And again, at that level, is decent. But just straight down the middle, from their middle two in midfield and their two centre-halves, because Warrell thinks it's going to be out, I think he's injured, That that's where Leicester should really be looking at. And, go. and also, I'm not confident about the goalkeeper, Samba. Every time you see kind of a headline... It's, it's it's something crazy's gone on. There's there's either a, a terrible error or he's made a remarkable save with his face or something. It's and so and the goalkeeper is a bit dodgy. So I look at that area of the side and go, I can't see any reason why Leicester can't score a few against them. These I think they are dangerous. Again, their right side is is especially very good. I think Spence has been an excellent signing on loan. I'm quite sure how they got him on loan, but I think their rights keep them quiet. And it should be, hopefully, relatively straightforward. But again, it's it's an FA Cup tie. It's, it's I can't go. I'm, I can't go to it because um, I'll be working, etc. Plus, I understand, and there'll be fans listening to this who are in a, a, a better position than we are. But I understand that the tickets went very, very quickly, and there's been a few murmurings about fans who have got basically a hundred percent away attendance with no ability to get hold of any tickets they all of a sudden a lot of tickets went mysteriously so i think if you're in that boat you'd know more than i do i'm just picking up on a, on a few things online etc but uh, yeah hopefully that doesn't rear its ugly head in any kind of shenanigans behind the scenes or whatever but it it looked like there were a lot of fans just expecting to get tickets and it wasn't available in an fa cup away game that's poor because obviously we're going to get a big away crowd um, or at least be given a, a fairly hefty allocation. I, th- I think it's actually slightly less than I thought. I thought they'd be given a good five or so thousand, and maybe the police have just limited it to, um, I think it's about four, four and a half, but uh, obviously they went very quickly. Um, but yeah, just looking at the Forest side, can't see any reason why it can't be a straightforward win. And I think a lot of, I think maybe a few listeners listen to that going, it's not going to be straightforward at all, Pete. What are you on about? But, you just look at the two sides, whether that early storm, I can't see any reason why we can't dictate that midfield. No, I can't either. And uh, I'd be interested to say to see what you think when you look at the Liverpool side, say, and say, is there is that one going to be straightforward as well a few days after? Well, uh, that's, <laughs> Not that's the, so much. No, that's the thing. They need to be, they need to be a full strength for the Forest game. Absolute full yeah, strength. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Because even though in, what, four days' time you're then playing away at Liverpool and then three days' time... You just had a winter time, break, you're fine. Exactly. Three days' time after that you're playing West Ham. So, and then and then you're at home against Randers. So, in theory, you you maybe can rest one or two of the first-teamers who, if, if they play, say, three games in quick succession. Get the early lead and get in front of Forest, and then maybe withdraw a Tielemans or if you want to I don't see any reason why not why they should be withdrawn I think getting the 90 minutes under their belt would be decent you've got then four days until you play Liverpool and then the Liverpool game it's a bit of a free hit in a way away from home at Anfield they're going to be flying at us because of us beating them in the league and the bit of um, what happened in the League Cup it's it's going to be immensely difficult. And then you play West Ham at home a few days later. And again, going to be a very difficult game against a good West Ham side. The Liverpool game is is really awkward because you don't... You, you never want to be turned over, of course. But 
It's going to be such a fiery atmosphere with, of course, the bad blood between the Liverpool fans and Leicester about certain songs, etc. And just go back to the game, uh, to the podcast around there. We won't carry on about you know what I was talking about and uh, the few one or two issues with, with Liverpool fans. I'm sure that will rear its ugly head if it goes well for us or horribly wrong for us at Anfield. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure that will ha- uh, happen again, so uh, bring it on. But um, you're just going to have to hold on, aren't you? You're just going to have to hold on and hope for the best. You never know. You know, you might grab a win. Who knows? And imagine the imagine the scenes in the away end if if Daka scores a late winner. Oh, it it would be it would be really funny actually. As much as it would be a great result, you get to that stage and and it might turn into that sort of Premier League season where. You, you go into a Premier League game going, do you know what? We're, we're mid-table and we, we it's not something we don't care, but win, lose or draw, nothing's really going to change this season. So you're just going in to enjoy the game. And hopefully that's the case away for uh, Anfield. I think predicting this game, Rob, is going to be incredibly difficult. What do you reckon? I mean, they're just going to have to try and defend for their lives. But who knows? You, it could be... It could be a salarless team because he might be in the AFCON final and then this game would come after the AFCON final, but he might be still celebrating. You know, he might be captured somewhere in Egypt on top of a parade in front of a billion people holding the trophy the day beforehand. Who knows? So it could be a very strange uh, or, or a, a, a weakened uh, forward line for Liverpool, but... Um, so what do you reckon going into that game? Is it is it just at this stage of where we are on the 1st of February going, let's just look at the Forest game. Let's just look at that and get that out of the way and then we'll move on to the next two. Yeah, I think it probably is. And, you know, Leicester's not necessarily result against Forest, but the, the, the squad choices that Leicester have might be influenced by the Forest game. You'd hope not, but what you would hope is that you'd start your strongest team against Forest. Everybody had come through unscathed. You'd have a good recovery, good time planning for Liverpool, and you can put the same strongest side out again against Liverpool. Uh, they have obviously got a, a very, very, very high-quality squad, and yes, losing Manny and, and Salah has weakened them. Of course it has, and, oh, and it's oh, Rob, weakened them one in, in thing a lot. One thing yeah, I didn't mention, sorry, I didn't mention, just as you were saying there, they've signed Luis Diaz, haven't they, from Porto. Now, um, other clubs sign players and you take note and you go, oh, yeah, this yeah, he's a good player or he, he could be decent and that's a, a wasted bit of money. I think it's an excellent signing for the money that they've spent on him. What, 35 million, maybe rising to 50 million? I think he's an excellent player. Um and he's not like he's 19 or 20. He looks like he's going to hit the ground running. So he's, I'd imagine he'll, he'll be playing, he'll be starting. Yeah, he looks pretty handy, doesn't he? And it's it's not bad if you can go out and spend £35 million on a, on a on an already established winger in the January transfer window. It's uh, There's a fair amount of pulling power there from a transfer point of view. Um, but then you've got someone like Jota, who's having a fantastic season, They've got Oxlade-Chamberlain back to his best. He's been kind of filling in as part of that front three at times as well. So, yes, they they are not quite as effective without Manny and Salah. Of course they're not because they're two of the best players in the world. Um, Salah, for many, is is the most informed player in world football right now. So, 
I, I for one, uh, as a Leicester fan, I'm absolutely. I would be. I would be delighted to see him still on top of a parade. I genuinely thought you were going to say on top of a pyramid. You know, for a second when you um when you were saying about him parading the trophy, uh, I would be delighted to see him ruled out of the Leicester Liverpool game, just because he is that kind of player who can from absolutely nothing win you a football match. How many times has he done it for Liverpool? Um, of course he doesn't do it on his own he's backed up by some extremely talented players but if there's one player that you're looking at in, on, on, on a sort of comparing two team sheets and thinking that's the player that's got that moment of magic to score the winning goal in the game it's him and if he's not there yes other players could pick it up but it's slightly less likely isn't it so I think Leicester, yeah, Leicester have got to go there with I wouldn't say um confidence as such they're not going to go there and say we're going to come at you and try and beat you 5-0 that's definitely not going to be the case but there has to be more of a balance between what we saw let's compare directly the first half at Bright- against Brighton and the second half against Brighton Leicester have to find somewhere in the middle of that where they pose a threat on the break where they are able to get themselves up the pitch in possession when they need to but at the same time, they are compact enough um, to withstand as many Liverpool attacks as possible because defensive solidity has not really been Leicester's strong point this season. And for goodness sake, we can't concede a goal from a set-piece because if you do all that work for 90-odd minutes on uh, in open play and then you concede like that, it's it's gutting, isn't it? And And it makes all the hard work for absolutely nothing. It'd be, it'd be an exciting game, of course. I think there will be added fire in it because of those things that you just mentioned as well, um, previous incidents, which were really not that long ago. So it'll be a couple of games, really, that'll be interesting to watch. There's been a few times this season, and, and I was speaking to my parents, who are season ticket holders have been for a long time. They are currently considering whether or not they're going to bother renewing next season. They've got grandchildren now, but they're also saying there's a few games this season where we've just sat there and not really been entertained either by by either team really or you know or you, you didn't have anything to f- they didn't feel like they had anything to get behind i don't think they're the only supporters that are kind of feeling i wouldn't go as far as saying disillusioned and disconnected with the team but there are there there is that danger isn't there with a kind of slumping to a mid table finish and not knowing and not fully believing that Leicester are going to go and win a, a football match that kind of makes you think, oh, you know, I kind of kind of be bothered to go down on a Tuesday night in the middle of December when I've got a log burner at home and I could be putting on a stew or something. You know, I'm I'm I don't go to very many games anymore, so I can't really say um, from that point of view. I'd be interested to see what other supporters are thinking. Uh, I'm not saying are there thousands of you out there that want to cancel your season tickets, but I am saying that. Uh, are there games this season where you have been a little bit uh, bored ultimately or, or so disappointed that you, you're struggling to get yourself motivated to go to the next one? Um, but I don't think that'll be the case with the upcoming fixture list because, you know, you've got the Forest, uh, you've got uh, Liverpool, then you've got a game against uh, high-flying West Ham, then you've got European football, and also you've had a week or two off with the winter break. I, I think it's a time for... Leicester fans to get excited again about about watching football and 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 just try and enjoy it. I guess that's that's going to be my approach anyway. Absolutely, and I 
I would agree with what you just said there about you've had two seasons of fifth place finishes and you've also had obviously what's been going on in the outside world as well which you have to take into account especially at this current time you've got a downturn in a few fixtures so you know Brighton is not going to be that exciting you've got games being called off and also they're moved around so you feel like you've been you're not quite sure where and when you're going to be going to the games obviously at winter as well which I know sounds a bit balmy because we've always played in winter and I quite like going to a game when it's when it's cold etc but again with what's going on in the outside world it's not been easy to be a season ticket holder or to be going to see Leicester this year the downturn in form is natural, isn't it? Because if a, if a team, even if they've won the league for two years and now they find themselves in third, still a downturn. And you're going to be a bit, oh, it's not quite what it was last couple of years. Even if it's, when you when you take a step back and look at it, you go, actually, no, this is still really good. It's just natural. That's just human nature. So I think there'll be plenty of people. But to be honest, I think if we do get in that position, which I said, I think we probably are now, um, it, it maybe be a, a slightly ahead of a lot of people, but I think we're in that position now where you take a look at the games in the league and you kind of go, well, it's a free hit. Every single game is a free hit. You want to beat West Ham at home, go and enjoy it as a one-off game. The big games are the Forest game in the Cup. The big game is, and I know many people may be looking at Randers at home in the Europa Conference League, that's a big game. If you ask me right now... Who would you rather? What would you rather happen? A draw against West Ham and thrash Randers and get through to the next round? I'd take that over a win against West Ham and, and a defeat to Randers because we want to win that competition, a chance to get into Europe, a chance to maybe keep players at the club or then be able to sign players. Being in the Europa League will be a great thing to happen to Leicester next season. I don't think it'll happen in the league. I don't think at all, even with a, a late run of, of wins. I think it's going to have to come in the cup competition. So, and you don't know about the FA Cup. Who knows? You beat Forest at the weekend, say, and then you get drawn at home against, say, Man City. It's what can you do? But the Europa League or the Europa Conference League is is vitally important. So, I, yeah, I, I think um, I think during this what two weeks since we've had a game, I think a lot of Leicester fans would have been in this gap, kind of yeah, over overlooking the season and. I hopefully come into the conclusion that yes, there has been one or two mistakes um, from individuals. Certain players have been underperforming, but overall, it has been ultimately still a season where there's a an awful lot to play for, and then looking further forward with regards to transfers and and the possibility of next season. Again, you got your Dakar. Uh, up front then another season or well, season under his belt at the club Samare um, fingers crossed will just develop as a player and then obviously the emerging talent and I won't say Kenan Jusby Hall because he's already there but then the flash of the youngsters that we had in the FA Cup against Watford so you've got that to look forward to as well and hopefully one or two of those start to appear and also let's keep a close eye on, on, on a few of them on loan as well so there is an awful lot to look forward to. And um, even if the league turns into a bit of a, a mid-table, oh, we've got Villa at home, we're ninth or 10th, and they're ninth or 10th, and it doesn't really matter. You know, you go to the game and, and you enjoy it as a one-off. And you may be, in the last few years, 
have taken the eye off maybe the opposition. I always used to, you know, back in the day in in the Premier League in the nineties, I used to look at the away side. Who who are we playing against? Oh, it's we're playing against West Ham at home. Paolo Di Canio. Oh, it'd be great to see Paolo Di Canio. Yes, I'm going to watch Leicester and I'm cheering Leicester on. But you got those players. Southampton turn. Oh, it's Matt Latiss. Brilliant. Get to see Matt Latissier play. Maybe that's something that maybe is a few of the a few fans have maybe not been doing in the last few years because it's been so successful at Leicester. We're the big boys. We're the players. I'm watching Vardy. I'm watching Tielemans, etc. Yeah, maybe it's the time to sit back and and enjoy the football with no real pressure, not worrying about top four or or something. You know, it's a it it's almost like every game's a cup tie in a weird way. So uh, maybe that's the way. Maybe that's just the way I'm thinking. It's you know everyone's obviously different, but uh, yeah, no problem at all. Beat Forest and then um, late a late Dakar goal and a brilliant display by Daniel Armati. He gets man of the match, and then we play West Ham at home. And uh, it's a bit cagey, but we turn as a very late goal, injury time goal. But this time it goes to Leicester rather than the opposition. And we scrape a 1-0 win um, with a Papi Mendy knee. (laughs) We better just finish on him, actually, because we're rambling on now. Um, We've got one place in the the squad, obviously, because Benkovic is gone. So one place in the Premier League squad. Papi Mendy going really well with Senegal. uh, Man of the match in the last game in AFCOM. You'd imagine he comes in. You'd imagine he just gets pushed into the into the Premier League squad. Maybe they decide to bring a youngster through. I don't know, but I'd imagine Mendy will be that man, surely. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I don't see any reason. I mean, he's he's playing it, it international football, uh, and he's getting man of the match, and he, he's starting, you know, ahead of players like Cuyate, who, who's quite highly regarded at, at Palace. So, and he's played in, in the middle of a of what looks like most of the time a midfield three. Uh, and Leicester have have played that formation uh, quite a few times this season, so you can play him at the base of that. And an added bonus to that is it makes your centre back issue not quite so uh, so drastic, really. Admittedly, is not a direct swap for for Wilfred and Didi, who you could then use as a centre back if you bring in uh, Mendy into central midfield. I mean, if you just look at them physically, you put them next to each other, it's very clear to see that they've got uh, a few different attributes but ultimately Mendy gets across the park very well he's looked very tenacious um he does look very sharp at AFCON considering he's had six months virtually of uh, of no competitive football of any sort really and he's always done a job for Leicester City he's he's never really let Leicester down you know even when he's coming for five or ten games here or there um he's always done a job and I think it was close between him and Hamza Chowdhury towards the end of the summer transfer window before this season fully started uh, as to who was going to depart the club. There was talks of either loan moves or permanent moves for one or both of them at the time. Um, maybe Mendy was left out because he was more likely to, to leave and, and, and a last-minute deal didn't didn't go through. Uh, and, you know, he could have sulked, really. He's a bloke in his late 20s. He wants to be playing football. Um, fortunately for him, he's switched to to nationality, to, to Senegalese, and he's been able to play at AFCON. Um, but by all accounts, he's maintained his professionalism. He's trained hard, um, 
despite knowing that he wasn't really not not wasn't physically going to be able to play in any of the league games between the start of the season and January. So, so from my point of view, it, by all means, bring him back into the Premier League squad, which has, let's be honest, been very depleted this season. I think so. I, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I think it might be the other way around, in fact. I think they maybe expected Chowdhury to go, so they kept Mendy. And then when it came to the, the crunch of actually putting the, the, the team or the Premier League squad together on Premier League squad deadline day... They went. Oh, actually, we, well, we've still got Chowdhury, so we'll put Chowdhury in that side, and um, because he's still at the club, I think. I think that I think Mendy probably was going to be in that squad with Chowdhury leaving, but obviously that that didn't quite work out. Maybe it'll be the case this summer. We'll, we'll, we won't know. Uh, we'll just finish on one thing, and it's not. It's not a. Um, it, well, it was a question. In fact, it's from Trevor actually, but I think. Trev, like we've actually answered this throughout the course of the podcast, he basically wrote in, but I'll I'll uh, I'll finish it because it is kind of a a positive outlook, and it's it says all this fear of us finding our level in mid table seems very premature to me when you consider my strongest back four would be Ricardo Evans, Fafana, um, with Ndidi just behind, uh, with then Vardy up top, etc. That's a hell of an upgrade on what we have now, in my opinion. Thoughts? Question mark? Well. Again, yeah, we've been talking about that throughout the pod. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think you write down right now, if you've got either yourself, who's who's thinking, or, you know, really down on Leicester or down on the manager, or, or you've got friends or whatever who are really down, oh no, it's just not good enough, etc., etc. You know, the team needs ripping up and all this. If and, and again, everyone's got their views, so fine, no problem. But I'd say you write down, not just the 11, but you write down your best 11 that you can pick at right now at Leicester with everyone being fully fit and available. But then also you write down five subs as well, because I think it's not just the 11. I think it's the, it's the squad. You write down that 16 that would be on a, a normal five man bench and also the first 11. It is a very, very strong side and a very, very strong bench. So, you look at that and you look at Leicester and you go, right, we'll be fine. We'll be absolutely fine. And we're still in the FA Cup. Fingers crossed we're in the FA Cup next time we're on the podcast. And uh, and yeah, there's plenty to look forward to. So yeah, a little bit down, but not beaten at all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll try and get in a podcast before the Liverpool game. I think that's going to be the plan, Rob. We'll, uh, we'll see whether we can or not. Hopefully we will. And... Um, We'll be reflecting on being in the next round of the FA Cup, fingers crossed. Listen to the podcast through iTunes, then you can give us a rating. Please give us a rating. It really does help. If you can do one thing, then please give us a rating on the podcast provider of choice. Uh, stars at the bottom if you want to leave a comment, absolutely fine. Brilliant. Um, and also get in contact, just as Trevor's done. He uh, was on Twitter, at Pod is how you can find us on Twitter. You can email us as well for fox8podcast at gmail.com. That comes through to both myself and to Rob. And uh, yeah, find us on Facebook. Get in contact with the show. Anything you want asked, any questions, any points, any uh, things you want added, anything you want taken away, whatever you want. Um, so yeah, when we're back, hopefully after the Forest game and the win, it'll be probably more like a, a normal show, you know, looking back at incidents during the game and then a full preview, etc. Obviously this one with the absence with me being away in Norway, etc. It's been a bit of a look at the season and look forward kind of a, an open discussion really so i uh, hope you enjoyed it we'll be back soon and uh christ they better win on sunday <laughs>